Well, let me open in prayer and we'll get started. Lord, we just thank you for this evening, um, the warm, beautiful weather that we're just, again, always reminded as we look outside, as we hear the waves crashing against the ocean, just um, how much we're blessed to be in this part of your this part of your world um, that you created. Um, help us to to see your you and to see your work in creation every chance we get as we're walking around, driving around, walking around. Lord, today we lift up especially Kara um, and Bob and Sheila um, to take care of them and the husband and the baby, Lord. Um, just that you will fully heal her. Um, if she's in the hospital right now, just give wisdom to the doctors and nurses um, as to what needs to be done. And we just pray that she will get out soon um, and be able to just care for her baby. Um, as we open um, up your word tonight, Lord, and as you said um, that in Isaiah, you said about how you were going to create things new. Um, we are in part that new creation you have created. And I just pray that as we hear your words tonight, the voice of the living God, that you will speak new things into our lives, Lord. Even if those new things are hard things that we may need to hear and have not listened to, speak loudly, clearly. As we've learned about the word here, Shema in Hebrew, may we be ones who don't even give it a second thought, but we do what we hear. Guide our discussion tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so we have a new new member, <laughs> new person. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself, and then we'll go around and just have everybody sort of say their name so you can remember everybody's name, and then we just have to remember yours. <laughs> so. oh, that's pretty easy. My name's Mike Funk. Mike what? Mike Funk, F-O-N-K. My wife and I have lived in Laguna for about five years now. Uh, my daughter graduated from uh, Laguna Beach High School. Um, I'm, I'm here tonight to, to join you guys. I, I thank you in advance uh, for allowing me to join you. Um, to surround myself um, with, with good people. To immerse myself uh, to in the endeavor of, of being a, a better person, a better husband, a better friend. Uh, and, and most importantly, not most importantly, but equally as important, a, a better father as well. And so, um, that's that's me in a very brief nutshell. I uh, appreciate you having me. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. You'll probably see me wandering around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. All right, John. Why don't you start off by John. saying your name? <laughs> Peter. Um, let's go. Dale. Glenn, Ruben, Tom, Charlie, Eric, Steve, Bill, Bruce. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> you were tested it. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to start with Bruce is going to read something for us. Just so, just listen to what Bruce is going to read. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before. His shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humility, in his humiliation, 
justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So, what's your response to that? Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> if you heard someone reading that, what would be your response? It's how Jesus died. Okay. That opening sentence is pretty strong. Like leading a lamb to the slaughter. You know? mm-hmm. Kind of says it all. All right. It's the fulfillment of prophecy. It's the fulfillment of prophecy. Okay. How do you know it's a fulfillment of prophecy? Because uh, there's types and shadows of these things discussed, like in Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in the New Testament. Yeah. Tell me about that. Matthew? I'd have to look it up to see which gospel it's in. Okay. It's not in the gospel. It's not. No. But it is in the New Testament. Okay. And someone read that. Anybody know who read that in the New Testament? Me, yes, Paul. I guess it's Paul. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You it's like we're gambling here. Let's play the odds. Paul. (laughs) Maybe Jesus. Uh, uh, so far, the the answer is no. Who who spoke this? Spoke it or read it? Spoke it? Very good question. Stephen read it. Stephen? No. When you was about to be Stephen? But no, but you just read. asked a really good question. Read it. The person read it. Hey, Steve. The person read it. Quick search says Acts, <laughs> Acts 8.32, 1 Peter 1.19. Yeah. So, tell me again. Acts 8.32. Boy, you know, our technology, you know? <laughs> yeah. Here's the problem is in those days when this person read it, they didn't have the technology. But... They did have something a little bit better than even the technology, though. So, um, anybody want to guess? So don't say now, Peter. <laughs> who read it? But anybody want to guess still? Who who is it that read this? Jeff, do you know? Peter. No. Hmm? <laughs> I know Stephen walked in. I thought Peter. I would say Paul. I'd say John. Oh. Okay. Why don't we all... <laughs> He's like, oh! <laughs> I thought it was Matthew. All, this time. all right. This will open up to the book of Acts. Philip. Oh. Oh, there wasn't actually Philip who read it. But it was Ethiopian. 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 How many here are eunuchs? <laughs> if always, <laughs> 36 years American. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So let's open up. 
Acts. Leading the lamb to slaughter. So Acts chapter 8. All right. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Let's hear what happened. All right. So it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, See, who needs technology when you got angel of the Lord talking to you? Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And by the way, when it says go down, just so you guys a little geography lesson, no? It means go up. No, actually sort of go down a lot of times is because Jerusalem is up on a mountain. Yeah. Up on a, okay? So going down is pretty much any place from Jerusalem down. takes you down. And Gaza's down from there, okay? Um, you hear a lot about Gaza today. So, all right. Um, this is a desert place. Which tells me probably if they're going from Jerusalem to Gaza, that's interesting, because I guess I would not think desert, but I guess it is. And he rose and went. Good old Philip. He, when the angel of the Lord speaks to him, he shamas, right? He hears and he obeys and he goes. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Wow, doesn't everybody in the church need to hear, we can't just read it ourselves. (laughs) We all need someone to guide us. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Go ahead and say it again, Bruce. Read this again? Yep, just going to read it again. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before, its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotos. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. 
Caesarea is in northern Israel by the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> All right. What did he read? What was the eunuch reading from? What passage of scripture? Isaiah 53, 7 through 8. Very good. Isaiah 53. All right. Why do you think the angel <coughs> had Philip do this? What, what, what is going on here? I mean, why? I mean, this is a pretty big deal. An angel of the Lord coming just speaking to you and saying, go somewhere. Why, why was this important? Um, and we have it obviously recorded, but why? Why was this important that the angel of the Lord wanted Philip to go and meet this unit and do this? Any thoughts? I mean, not saying that it. Why do you yes, think it's important? Kind of a high official, and that him being converted might spread the word. Oh, okay, very good, great. First thing I would think of. Because that's what's going on in Acts, right? Yeah. Right? In fact, people will say the Book of Acts is all about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Guiding people, and this is where we start seeing, as it starts out in Acts, we start seeing from Jerusalem, you know, and onward through the whole world, the gospel is going to be spread. So you see this, see this going on here. Yeah. Yeah, Steve. Could it be that the angel of the Lord knew he'd be reading Isaiah? Could be. (laughs) Probably was. Very good. So he knows that this eunuch is reading. Isaiah 53, which in itself is pretty awesome. All right. Um, in fact, how do you think, what do you think that looked like back then? I mean, what do you think he was reading? Scroll. Probably a scroll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Probably a scroll. Anybody else? Any thoughts as to what's going on here? And what do you, again, anything else as to why, why Isaiah 53 here? Any thoughts as to why Isaiah 53, he's reading it? It was a good lead into uh, what had just happened with Jesus. Like, I don't know how Hmm. long after the crucifixion and resurrection this was, but Philip would have said, this just happened. This was just fulfilled. Hmm. Although it was written, you know, 600 years prior. Right. It was just, it, this just happened. Yeah. So let me tell you the story. And who, who, who this is. Yeah, good, good. Was the question, why was the eunuch reading this at that moment, sort of thing? Yeah, why was the eunuch reading it? Why did the angel of Lord find it so important to have... Philip go and meet the eunuch as the eunuch is reading Isaiah 53? I mean, based on the fact that he's a eunuch, yeah. this seems sort of relevant. The sheer humili- in, in his humiliation, justice was denied. This, to me, that totally applies to somebody that was. And where you read, where did you just read that? Uh, where did you just read that? Neuter. Yeah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Uh huh. Now, again, he's still alive, but nonetheless, and like a lamb before its shear, it's silent. He just maybe this was very applicable to this particular man, which is why his conversion was so straightforward. 
All right, anybody else? Just me on top. Yeah. It, it did have a big impact because Ethiopia does have a an ancient Christian culture hmm. that um, is pretty significant in Ethiopia. Okay. And they trace it back to this, basically. Yeah, you can imagine probably that eunuch would go back, sort of telling everybody. Anybody know about eunuchs back then as to... What is what? What did they do? What was their role? Was a meme when you were a eunuch? Anybody know that? They took care of the harems, didn't they? The concubines. That's right. Very, very good. Yeah, they they were why? Yeah, why? So that they didn't stray. Yeah, so why didn't? Did, yeah, why did they take care of the harem of women? Because they didn't, they didn't have, have the balls. <laughs> right. No right. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and how were they looked upon? They were they were looked down upon. Yeah. It was like it was like probably being African American in the South. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was very much yeah, they were despised by a lot of people. Right. Yeah. The eunuchs, I mean, even though this eunuch it says this was like an important official in charge of the treasury. Yeah. Like this was like an important guy. Like I don't know if people were looking down on Okay. And uh, like the the eunuch in the story of Daniel was was spoken about favorably. The eunuch that was taking care of Daniel and um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. Initially, it was just like they were in charge. And, you know. Um, so I don't. Yeah, I mean I don't know. If the eunuch would have been looked down on. He seemed like a really important. Well, and they can't they can be too. They yeah. can be in high positions and stuff. So that's, there were sort of ones ones that's why there. they cut their balls off because they need them to be in high positions with women. Right. They want a man in that particular position. And they were trusted favor. because of that. That's right. Yeah. But they don't want him getting sticky fingers. Yeah, he was a eunuch for the high official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Yeah, that's pretty, the treasury. Get pretty up there. Pretty high up. Pretty in charge of the money. In charge of the person. Yeah. Right. So yeah. this was a higher up eunuch. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not looked down upon as much. Yeah. All right, well, here's something else that's no, no little possibility as to why did this happen. I mean, clearly we have the story because we see the gospel being spread, all the things you guys just answered. But we're in Isaiah, where is he reading from? Isaiah this one's 53. 53, right. Well, Isaiah continues, doesn't it, past 53. It does. If you guys have your Isaiah... Turn to Isaiah 56, which is on page 308. So listen to this. It says, and this is about salvation. This is Isaiah, after Isaiah 53. So if you think of even sequence here, Isaiah 53 is speaking about, who do we know? Servant. Yeah, which is, which is, who do we know it is? Christ. Christ, okay. So you sort of think the sequence here, Isaiah 53 is about Christ. Acts is at a time when that was, has been fulfilled about Isaiah 53. So what comes after Isaiah 53? Well, one of those chapters is Isaiah 56. All right. And what does it say in Isaiah 56? It talks about foreigners. What's happening to the whole What's happening here is a gospel is being spread throughout all the land to Gentiles, to us, to foreigners. Verse 3, it says, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. 
For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. A little irony in the word there. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended in scripture. Yeah, so it's very possible that you even what you see here in Acts going on is starting to even fulfill even something past Isaiah 53 about what is even specifically supposed to happen with the units. So you see scripture just unfolding here um, as it's going about. All right. Okay, since you guys did so good with that one, we now have another one. Now, no cell phones. <laughs> no iPads. No you can much. look at the news. <laughs> um, no iPads. All right. Bill. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, my same question that I asked Can you before. Read it again? Yeah, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's a question. And to whom has the arm of the Lord So where is this from? This is a quote, a scripture. Where is this from? Not where it's being quoted, but where is it where is the actual scripture? passage of this? Where does it, where does it exist? It's in 53.1, Isaiah. Very good. Isaiah 53.1. One. Excellent. Okay. Where is this being quoted in the New Testament? Do any <laughs> just throw out the like um, guesses again? Anybody want to guess? Is it? Sounds like something Jesus would have said. Something Look. Jesus would have said. Nope. I think, it, I think Paul and Romans. Paul and Romans. Excellent, Steve. So Paul and Romans did quote this, but that's not the one we're going to look at. <laughs> there are two places. Excellent. There are two places this passage is quoted. One of those is in Romans. It's actually a very important passage where it's quoted. We're not going to look at that right now. There's one other place that is quoted. Acts? Nope. Luke? Nope. You're just going to Isaiah. do this now. Huh? Isaiah. <laughs> it is Isaiah. Well, it's Isaiah 53.1. So, all right. It's quoted by John. In a very, very key passage. In the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John. Okay. In the Gospel of John. Okay, so I want you to turn to John 12. So John 12, and I'm going to start at verse 20. Now... No coincidence here, but there's also a Philip here. This is a different Philip <laughs> um, than what we read about before. This is the Philip um, or the Apostles. Okay, so I want you, as I read this, one of the things I want you to do is just tell, just sort of 
as you're hearing it, are you hearing any echoes of Isaiah? Not just, we're going to hear the quote of Isaiah, but do you hear any echoes of Isaiah? All right. So here it goes. So starting at verse 20, John 12, 20, it says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So obviously a key time in Jesus' ministry. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. Hmm. That's interesting. I wonder where it says that. But how can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to him, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, well, in fact, say it again there, Bill. Go ahead and say the passage. Yeah, the Lord who has believed what he heard from us. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So sad. So sad. Mm-hmm. Anything, what do you guys, when you hear that, anything just comes up, strikes you? It's just... 
as it was spoken by the prophets that, that uh, he would open it up to the Gentiles uh-huh. and then the Jews would be jealous. Yeah. And their eyes would be made heavy. Yeah. All about understanding, right? Right. <laughs> when you say it's all about understanding, why do you say that, Steve? What's that? What, what was that? Verse you wanted us to uh, explain. Yeah, what was that verse? What was that verse? Anybody remember? Which one? The one that's like the theme of all of Isaiah. And I would say... Isaiah 6.10? Yeah. Isaiah, very good. Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Hmm. Do you guys see that here? Do you see what John's doing? He's actually taking two passages of Isaiah and he's showing how they are instrumental to what is happening within the ministry of Jesus and who he is. So he's quoting from Isaiah. Which one? Which What's the first quote from? 53.1. All right. And the second quote is from our favorite passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And what is, why is John quoting these passages? And what is he saying about these passages? Why are these passages so instrumental in what John is quoting? Why is he quoting these two passages as to what is happening here? Because it's what's taking place. Because what? It's, it's what's taking place. It's what's taking place. Okay, very good. I mean, we're right. And what is taking place? God's like shutting the eyes of the Jews and letting the Gentiles come in. Okay. Yeah, and because there's, there's, there's the question of these were God's people. How did they miss it? How is it that God allowed them to miss it? Uh-huh. You know? And... Um, this is the answer, because it's like, well, Jesus did many amazing miracles in front of them, and still they didn't believe, you know, 37, and then 39, therefore they could not believe, right? Yeah. Like, they could not believe, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting statement. Okay. Um, and then a further explanation, like, one of the reasons is because they love the glory that comes from man rather than the glory that comes from God. That's it. Does that remind you of anything we read in Isaiah? <laughs> How about anybody else? Other things, is this, reading this, does this passage remind you of things? Hold on for just, I want to see anybody else. Anybody else read? Yeah, Eric. I think there was a tension between established religion and the new way. And uh, the establishment kind of fought against Christ and what he represented, the freedom that he represented. So it's hard to give up that years and years and years of the Pharisees and Sadducees being, you know, head of the whole thing and saying, this is what you need to believe and these are the laws and if you do these laws, Mm -hmm. then everything will be good and don't listen to this other guy because we're going to lose our power. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Anything you're hearing in here, any echoes, any kind of, what's John doing? Why is he quoting these two passages? 
I mean, Jason. You sure? <laughs> Gave you a little reprieve there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Why is he quoting these passages? Well, what I'm saying here in terms of that is that he's establishing the divinity of Christ and the fact that he is God and the at the same time he's still offering a way to hear, see, and understand because the change that he made in the second Isaiah quote at the end is because in, in Isaiah it's turn and be healed. Uh-huh. And here he says turn and I would heal them. Hmm. Okay. Which very is good. Christ declaring mm. that. Yeah, very good. So Very good. So, you also said he says something about the what of Christ? The divinity? divinity. He's, he's declaring him God. How's he doing that? With that turn right there. The okay. Right, the turn. All right. And um, with whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And he's, you guys. So he's, what he's saying, don't you see it? Okay. Anybody see anything else about why? How is... The divinity of Christ being revealed here in this path, in this is passage it, of John. Is it as simple as I? It, that's that's a very good very good catch. That's sure. a that's very good. Hmm. But I want you to notice. Look what John says after this quote. Well, Isaiah said the things because he saw his glory and spoke about him. I want you guys to look at that. Just, yeah, just read that. <laughs> read verse 41. And listen to what John is saying here. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we had Philip who had a moment like Star Trek where he got beamed away. Yeah. Do you guys notice that little science fiction and acts there? Philip got beamed away, <laughs> and all of a sudden he ends up somewhere else. That's going to be cool, you know? Maybe one day we're going to, you know, this is where Star Trek came from. You know, the whole thing was right there from Peter. He got beamed away. Well, that all happened within, you know, the present time. We're now going, like, back to the future. We're seeing something happen here that John is revealing that is absolutely Heavenly and earth shattering. Because what does he say in verse 41? What is he saying? He's, he's saying that Isaiah saw him back to Saw the Isaiah? God saw Jesus. Isaiah saw. Where? The glory of God's God. God. Right, okay. Where? <laughs> Isaiah saw God's glory. Isaiah saw who? God. He saw who? He saw Jesus. The Lord Jesus. The Lord saw Jesus. Yes. And when did Isaiah see Jesus? In his vision in the temple. Oh. <laughs> 610. Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> holy, holy, holy. My lips are... Yes. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. That's right. Exalted in the train of his yeah. room. the temple with glory. Oh. Well, John sees it. But the, no one around the train of his robe. Or yeah. the temple with glory. <laughs> so that's the glory. Wait, what, what See, was that? Yeah. John, the gospel writer here, sees it and hears it, but no one around him sees it. Or the price. Very few. 
especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Right. Well, what's cool is it says many believe, but but they wouldn't confess it. <laughs> yeah. Other than yeah. Leaders, they were afraid to lose their position. Yeah. 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 That's not cool. <laughs> I mean, if your <laughs> whole job is to receive the Messiah, <laughs> um, what, wait a minute, we didn't think this through. This could be bad for us. But so listen to, I mean, again, listen to 41. This is like, mm-hmm. this is saying that here John is in his time revealing that Isaiah in his time saw the living Christ. <laughs> yeah. And people wonder that, you know, does it show that Jesus was actually <laughs> divine? I mean, here it is just straight out. So, I will, let's take us back to what John is showing, as you guys already said. Go to Isaiah 6, okay, so we can actually see what is he referring to here. And I want you to listen to the sort of language again, echoes that John, that actually Jesus has been giving some echoes of Isaiah 6 as he's been talking. So you remember when we started Isaiah, this was like our path, I mean, this was like the passage, okay, the sort of drove, this is almost like the beginning of Isaiah, if you remember, that drove everything that happened. So here, and so now in light of what John is telling us, we can now read Isaiah 6 very differently the way we read it before. All right. Because it says, in the year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Interesting, it's lower case there. Excellent. <laughs> very good, Steve. Very, very good. Notice there that that is a lower case, which does not happen very much when you hear the word Lord in Scripture referring to God. It is almost always Yahweh with the small caps. Here it's Adonai. So what we are finding out right now is that what we're referring to is that what Isaiah is seeing is Christ. You guys get that? So I died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And now what happens, remember when we studied this, for those of you who are here, what happens next? Isaiah's response to seeing God, which Father, Son, Holy Spirit, seeing the living God, is what? He falls on his face. He falls on his face. And what does he say? Woe is me before the presence of the living God, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, 
and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord of hosts. Which is Yahweh. Which is Yahweh there. Now you see, this is the, you want to know the Trinity all together, mm-hmm. Father, Son, Holy? I mean, this is all, here's the glory of God being revealed. Now we're finding out that in this glory of God is the Father and the Son, right? Think now what happens next to Isaiah. Is he has now just put himself down before the king. And what is the response? Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand, you guys remember all this? A burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold... This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. That was the big moment. <laughs> I mean, the atonement. What do you? Yeah. What are you guys hearing here? Exactly. And who is the one that brings atonement? Jesus. But here we have a pre-time of that. Isaiah is having his sins atoned for. Whoops, how can that happen? We never asked that question here. His sins atoned for. Wait a minute. That doesn't happen until Jesus. Now we find out, wait a minute. (laughs) That is Jesus. Here's the one. Here's the one leading through the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that um, the apostles, after Jesus left them, do you think that they were left with the Spirit? All of a sudden, they picked up. The Bible, and it was all like they were just. So who says? Say this going. again. This is when. Say it again. Sorry. I just the, the apostles wrote this after, right? John, and, right, correct. Right. All of this was a was a right. There's a gap there. So right. Right. I, I just I think about this: how these guys are writing this, and mm-hmm. how definitive John is in that, right? Yeah. And just. Bold and so straightforward to be able to say definitively, that was Jesus. That Isaiah. I'm not just—he's not making that up, right? You, you just wouldn't say something like that unless mm-hmm. you knew it. Yeah. So yeah. just right. like thinking about th- those guys going back and reading <clears throat> through Scripture with that spirit in them, and then everything that they had learned they did, didn't understand mm-hmm. at the time, just just flooding forward like whatever. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the verse is John fourteen twenty six. Mm-hmm. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Which is how John. Eric, you're gonna. Well, Isaiah was chosen. Mm-hmm. And probably because he was obedient. And so, his obedience 
was uh, through honest honesty and knowing his own sin. Mm-hmm. So this atonement enabled him then to rise above his sin to be the chosen right. messenger. Yeah, absolutely. And for him to be, as we see throughout all of Isaiah, for him to be getting those words of the Lord directly, God's speaking to him, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it was through that atonement that enabled him to, to perform his mission. Yeah, very good. Very good. You see, he was a man after God's heart. It kind of reminds me of David being a man after God's heart. Even right. though he sinned greatly, mm-hmm. when the prophet came to him and told him who it was, that it was him, mm-hmm. he right away went, I have Yeah. I have sinned against the Lord. Yeah. And there's that common theme of you know, not being prideful and right. telling the prophet that, you know, ooh. Yeah. And when he says, here I am, send me, <laughs> that's his acceptance. Yeah. And who who did we say in the last weeks, what have we been saying? We're through Christ, we're, we're going through and listening and watching these servant songs. We're now in the last servant song. And what are we saying that these servant songs are showing? They're showing who is going to have to be the servant. Because Israel was not, what? They were supposed to be the servants, right? Who is the very first person called to be a servant in Isaiah? Before Israel is called to be that servant, who's the very first person called to be a servant in Isaiah? It's not Isaiah. It is Isaiah. Yeah, it is Isaiah. Isaiah, just like what we're talking about here, how can Isaiah be being called the servant? Because his sins have been atoned for. He is being called for that mission. And now he, in essence, is sort of the quintessential servant, okay, of ultimately the servant. All right, and just for all of us to be very clear, what that means to be a servant, I'm going to read it to you. Okay, this is this is Isaiah's call to be a servant. You guys ready? Okay. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn to it. Then the Lord said, As my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot for three years as a sign and a portent against Egypt and Cush. There you go. That's what it means to be a servant. <laughs> You might be called to be naked and barefoot to go out and proclaim God's word. All right. I'm just sort of teasing there. But, I mean, that's what, that's what Isaiah had to do. How long? <laughs> three years. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good number in scripture is three years. Yeah, yeah. So I want to go back to John just for a second because remember that what we're finding out and what John's saying here, he's quoting two passages. He's quoting Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 bringing that judgment on Israel, we find out Isaiah 6 is where Isaiah meets what we now find out is Christ himself. Isaiah's sins are atoned for. And what's interesting is what's the other passages being quoted in by John? It was what? Isaiah. Isaiah. 50. 50. 
three, which is the fourth servant song, which is all about what? Christ. What about Christ? Suffering. Suffering as our propitiation for our sin. For okay. Salvation. For salvation. Okay. Right. Which other word would you use for that? Instead of propitiation. Yeah. Atone- atonement. Atonement. <laughs> all right. So you see, and that's what we're going to be looking at. You see, all all this is still threaded together. Here's John showing how Jesus, who's speaking at this point, his ministry's turning. He is now going to become the servant of Isaiah 53. And John quotes Isaiah 53 to show this one who speaks is that servant, Israel, you have been looking for. And then he quotes Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, which is sort of the fulfillment saying, how many are not going to believe? Or how many are going to believe, mm-hmm. but not confess it? Because the glory of man is more important than the glory of God. It's quite convicting. So it's either pride or fear. Yeah. Yeah. Was the three years a test? Oh, for Isaiah? Yeah. I'm not sure if he needed a test. I don't know if Isaiah, I, I, I think it just was, I mean, that's, you listen to the prophets. That's what I think is such a, I mean, I'm going to make a commentary. The, the, those who call themselves a prophets today, they sure don't look like the prophets of the Old Testament yeah, <laughs> like this. You know, I mean, you have to be very careful, especially if you're trying to call yourself a prophet like the Old Testament. Now, there's different types of prophets. Steve and I talk about it, Steve Dixon and I. I mean, there's a, a different type of prophet maybe for now than what you were talking about back then. But if you're going to be a prophet back in the Old Testament times, you better read the prophets first and ask if you really want to go through that yeah. and be that. You didn't take um, Rolexes back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and notice, just going back to John here, notice... Jesus' language, notice how what he's been talking about here is he's talking about he is going to be glorified. He's going to be high and lifted up. Okay. Which is what, if you remember last week when we started in Isaiah 53, how does it start out? My servant will be high and lifted up. All right. So you see that, you see that all starting there. And Jesus over and over again says, I'm going to glorify your name. Glorify. God says well, you will be glorified. Um, and actually in John, in John um, 12:32, Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up. So you see Jesus here himself using the language of Isaiah 53, which is what we're going to spend most of our time as we look at is what is so important about Isaiah 53. Because it is capturing the essence of who Jesus is. Um, and also, it also says, Jesus says here, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So you see Jesus also right here, setting up for the fact like, this is what it's going to look like to be a servant. <laughs> Which is Isaiah 53. This is what it's going to look like to do that. All right.
All right. Any good? Any questions there? Just want to sort of take you through. It's like I, this. This part of John is sort of fascinating, just to see how it ties together. All that's happened um, in Isaiah. Before we go to Isaiah fifty-three, if you take a look at Isaiah six nine through ten again. Just as we remember, this is what's appeared so many times. This quote that we start out with in Isaiah six nine. Sorry, so Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. So that's on page, yeah, 40. page 40. <clears throat> so, and remember again, this is the passage that is used by Jesus. It's used throughout the New Testament. I mean, this is the passage just constantly saying the judgment of God on the people saying what? Keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep unseen, but do not perceive. I want you to keep listening for how we will hear this language over and over again. Are you hearing? Shema. Are you seeing? All right. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And just like Jason said, there's no eye there which is interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Jesus now takes this upon himself as the one who's bringing that judgment on. Do you guys remember why is this judgment being brought on Israel at this point? In Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, what is it of why this judgment is being brought on Israel that they are not to see and hear and understand the ways of God and let's take turn to heal. Hmm? They're worshiping idols. Okay, very good. What else are they doing? What is what are the people of Israel doing at this time that this judgment of God is coming upon them? They're making alliances and allegiances with with man okay. with other kingdoms instead of with Yahweh. Excellent. And who was an example of that? Who did that? Um Remember, it was after King Uzziah died. It was uh, the, the guy in charge. Who was that? What was his name? Ahaz. 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 Very good. All right. And what were the people doing? What are some of the things we saw in Isaiah one and two? What What were the people doing that God was bringing His judgment upon them? What, what were the what, what was God's people doing at this time? Not just in the sense you're right, Steve. Okay, that one thing was was the leaders were starting to go and be in cahoots with um, other nations. But what were the people doing? What were the people being judged for? Injustices, orphans and widows. Excellent injustices like unjust scales. Unjust scales meaning. Meaning like shady business practices. Excellent. Very good. Cheating. Cheating? Yeah. Very much so. 21 through 23, it says the faithful city has become a whore. Yeah, very, Um, yeah. uh Uh-huh. Read on. Go ahead. Keep reading. become dross. Your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless. And a widow's cause does not come to them. Yeah, you hear Uh, that? Yeah. Very good. You guys hear that? What else? What else? Other things? Just anybody looking through there right now? What else do you see? What are the people doing? 
Very good, Charlie. Seeking after mediums and yep. Um, which witchcraft? Okay, good. And what else? Okay, I'll just I'll quote this one, which goes along with what you guys have been saying. So Isaiah one. Here's here's what um, Isaiah says to the Lord. He says, "Your hands are full of blood." In fact, right before that, it's quite interesting. He says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. I will not listen. Here's God saying, not only bringing the judgment upon Israel that you're not going to be able to hear, God's saying, I'm not going to be able to hear you when you say your prayers. Why? Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. Very simple. That's the theme you hear throughout all the scripture. But they didn't do it, did they? And you just keep hearing, as you guys were saying, you just keep hearing over and over again, how, before we get to Isaiah 6, so man is humbled. You guys remember this? So man is humbled. Each one is brought low. Who is the one that's supposed to be high and lifted up? Jesus. What is man trying to do? <laughs> Make himself. And he keeps saying, so man is humbled and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. For the Lord of hosts has a day, this is Isaiah 2.12, against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. And again, 17, and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low. And then we ended with verse 22 in chapter 2. Stop regarding man. What What was John just saying? that the people in his time were doing <laughs> regarding the glory of man higher than the glory of God. Can I read just yes. a little passage from Absolutely. Proverbs? Absolutely. It's the end of Proverbs 1, at 20, starting at 24. Since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look wow. for me and will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Yeah. Okay, I also like how he says, uh, 1.23, he says, Your princes are like rebels. And companions yeah. of thieves. When you're in a time of judgment, your leadership. Yeah. This is what happens. This, I mean, sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, never. Nothing new out of the sun, right? Nothing new out of the sun. Um, yeah, oh, oh, I mean, 
Oh, my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. I mean, we just saw this over and over and over again in Isaiah, this judgment about where the people had been. And if you remember, what was interesting is that when we got into Isaiah in that time, when Isaiah starts, is a time when the nation of of Israel, sorry, Isaiah, when this started, the nation of Israel had been in the time of economic, everything going really, really well. Economically and everything, the nation was like, the people were feeling like, we are blessed, God is blessing us, things are going so good. And what Isaiah does is come into that situation, even before the other nations start to come at after um, Israel. Comes in and says, uh, uh, knock, knock. <laughs> Just what you read, right? No, you're not, because you're doing like what you said. You're cheating the people. You're puffing yourselves up. You're not taking care of the poor. I mean, you just see that this judgment's taking place. Um, and Isaiah's going to come into that and say, that judgment is you're not going to hear what God's doing. You're not going to see what he's doing. You're not going to understand. Which then leads to the whole thing of what do we need? We need a Savior. We need a Savior. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I wanted to take a. I wanted to spend the next 15 minutes. So what we're going to do? A couple things. I want to talk about atonement um, as we go through these next few weeks. I want. I'm going to have little times where we're just sort of maybe looking at some specific things around the subject of what we see going on in Isaiah 53. So Isaiah 53 is going to be our core driver over the next few weeks because Isaiah 53 just nails who Christ is. <laughs> That's the way to say it. It really shows who Jesus is. As we're going through Isaiah 53, we learn who Jesus is and what he's done. I want you guys to always keep in mind as we do this for my challenges, remember that what these servant songs are doing are not just ultimately revealing who Jesus is, but they also are going to show who we are to be as his servants. Okay? So the challenge is we see why we needed the Savior and how Jesus became that. We also see he became a servant of God. And now we're called, as John, Jesus was just saying, John, to be servants. So as we read about Jesus, I want you, part of what I want us to do is start thinking about, okay, how can we be not what we just read in Isaiah 1 through 5? How can we be those servants? All right. Um, but first of all, I want to just go through a little bit about atonement. Um, what does that mean? Okay, and how our Bibles have sort of made that a little bit more difficult <laughs> to understand what atonement is. Um, so, first of all, let me just bring up something here. Um, so let me talk about the word first. Um, because we just saw it in the Old Testament, all right? Um, we heard, like Peter was, was talking about the word in the New Testament, and he used a different word for it. Remember what word he used? Propitiation. Propitiation. Okay, big word. Mm-hmm. All right. But if you guys, when you hear the word atonement, okay, and obviously it's a scripture word we just read about. Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah his sins were atoned for. All right. 
as we now find out when he met Christ. When you hear that word atonement, and don't say anything here. <laughs> PC's read the book. <laughs> we talked about it in the upper room a year ago. I know he did. We did. You remember that, I know. So let's see how, how good our memory is. What is atonement? So when you guys hear that word atonement, what do you think? What is something being Forgiven. killed? So something being for something else. Something being killed so something else can be saved. Something being killed for something else to be saved. Okay. Or cleansed or okay. Made no, that's right good. Or something. Okay. Very good. All right. What else? Balancing the scales. Balancing the scales. That's an interesting way of putting it. I like that. And what do you mean by that when you say balancing the scales? I think it's just um, like justice. Like God is all about justice, and so there's this word which says like if, if for sinners there's you know the, the, it's the consequence of sin is death, and so atonement comes in into play to be able to balance that, to be able to um, take the place of of death. Okay. All right. Good one. That's a little like a debt. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is a negative balance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I like that's good way of putting it. That, that's that's interesting. I, you know, I'm thinking a lot about the, the truth, especially nowadays, right? And mm-hmm. on, on that note, is you could also maybe look at it as an atonement for not truth, for 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 lies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that. Reconciliation. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we found. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little obscure, but there's a price that was paid. A price that was paid. All right. Forgiven. Okay. Forgiven. All right. So what's interesting is I listen to you guys talk about atonement. You sort of sort of covered a lot of atonement and some a lot of different terms are in scripture. All right, the word atonement. Okay, in fact, it's um, it says right here. I just read it from one of these books. It's actually the book that we were talking about. The, the word atonement derives from the Greek or Latin. Derives not from Greek or Latin, which most of our words come from. Okay. It is, as in this case, with most theological terms in English, most of our terms we have come from Greek, okay, or Latin. Atonement does not. It's rather Middle English, namely the phrase, at one meant. What? <laughs> at one meant. Pete, weren't you the one that said this last year? Yeah. 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 Okay. You told me I can't speak. <laughs> so the word atonement, okay, is an English word now, but it had the meaning of at one meant or at one with something, which here would mean we would think is meaning at one with God. God, okay. And so what ended up happening is sort of interesting is that William Tyndale, anybody know about this? What do we know about this? Who printed the Bible? Yeah. yeah. Okay, one of the first versions, okay, sort of of the Bible. Didn't he get burned at the stake? Yeah. I think it's, yeah, burned at the stake. 
1526 is when this Bible was printed. Okay, um, he used the word atonement in his Bible. All right, and in fact, um, well, let's see. Here, Charlie, you want to read that for me right there? Oh, holy cow! Glasses. <laughs> yeah, starting at three. This sure. is good old English. Wherefore, henceforth, if... <laughs> yeah, it's the old, old it's okay. English. Yeah, no, you're returning. Come on. It's very hard to read. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man of free of flesh? I, I cannot read it. Okay, so thank you. Stress. Please. Sure, you want to try to give it, you want to try, to give it try right there? Read all the way down okay. there. So, so free? Well, yeah, you can start like any. Like reading Beowulf. Okay, yeah. so, so you just want to hear out the words sound? Just try to read it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's sort of fun. This is old English. Yeah. Therefore, if any man being in Christ, he is a new creature. Oh, good. Old, old things are passed away. Behold, old things are become new. Oops. Nevertheless, all things uh, are of God, whom he hath reconciled wow. us to him, uh, life by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the office to preach the atonement. You guys hear that? The office to preach the atonement. There is the very first time atonement appears in the Bible. Hmm. All right. Well, Keep going. For God was <laughs> I really good. <laughs> Christ and made agreement between the world and him, life and imputed not their uh, lives unto them, and hath committed to us the preaching of the atonement. Okay, he got one more time, it says atonement there. Now then, we are messengers in the room of Christ, even as though God did before you this owe us. So pray pray we, you, I, Christ, uh, something that at ye be atoned with God. Yeah, very good. <laughs> wow, I won. I did not. <laughs> Good job, well you get the special prize for tonight. <laughs> I couldn't even hardly read. I was sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, where does this say that in here?" Um, so William Tyndale sort of started this idea of translating a, a word into atonement. All right. Do you guys recognize where we're reading from? What what passage was this in the Bible? Anybody in, in hearing it? Anybody remember that? Don't anybody know where that passage is that we he was reading from? Is it Acts? No. Romans. Second Corinthians. So turn to Second Corinthians five. So he was reading a very very famous passage from Second Second Corinthians five. <clears throat> So he said, um, so I'll, I'll just, I'll, so 
you guys would know, I'm going to start at verse 16. 2 Corinthians 5:16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. This is what the passage that he was just reading. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And here's what our translation says today. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's where he read Office of Atonement. All right? That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Again, that's where William Tyndale translated that to atonement. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. William Tyndale translated as, be at one meant with God. Be at one with God. All right. So this word atonement, as was used in scripture here, the problem is, is that word is really not the word atonement. <laughs> it is the word reconciliation here. Okay, because reconciliation is what is is not atonement. Reconciliation is the result of atonement. Okay? So this is where things got confusing in Scripture was because what was happening was we were trying to use this word atonement for what's, of what already, what the result or achievement of atonement is rather than what the actual word atonement means. Okay? So reconciliation with God is the result of atonement. Okay. They say the definition is a change of recon, uh, relationship from enmity to peace. Reconciliation has defined. Yeah. Say it again. Oh, it's a um, a change of relation from enmity to peace. Yeah. Okay. So that is, again, that's reconciliation. That's the result. But to achieve reconciliation, like to achieve peace, to achieve salvation, those are all the results of what is atonement. And atonement is what you find in the Old Testament. Shedding of blood. That's right. Okay, exactly. So atonement is what has to happen to achieve that peace. Okay, so it's sort of an important distinction to make, and those those words get mixed up. We're going to look starting next week at what that is in the Old Testament and how that relates to what Christ does in Isaiah 53. Okay, I won't get into all that right now, but that's the important thing is, okay, we're reconciled with God, but what we want to look at as we look at Isaiah 53 is how do we become reconciled with God? What is it that Christ actually did on the cross that we can say today we have that eternal life, our sins are forgiven, you said, that we can have that with God. All right. So I'll just give you um, 
sort of a little idea of where we're going to go. We'll look at these next week. And then we're going to get into Isaiah 53 after we understand what atonement is and look at the Old Testament. Then we're going to get into Isaiah 53 because one of the big debates between Jews and Christians about people looking at the Old Testament or the New Testament is, does Isaiah 53, if it is pointing to Christ, or does Isaiah 53 bring out this idea of this atoning sacrifice? Okay. Um, because as we see, that's exactly what John's doing. Is he's saying this is what Christ has done. That's what Philip is telling the eunuch. When the eunuch was reading Isaiah 53, he's saying, look, that's Christ. This is what he's done for you, so you can have this peace. Okay, does that make sense? All right. Um, so here's just a little, this is from the, uh, the CSB study notes on this. It says, atoning sacrifice translates the Greek word helistian, can't say that right, a term borrowed from the sacrificial system of the temple. It was used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for the cover of the Ark of the Covenant or the mercy seat. All right. And we're going to talk about that next week. It's going to be really interesting to see what Isaiah 53 does with all this. It's just fascinating of how it threads all this together. Um, on the Day of Atonement, this is in Leviticus just 16. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would sprinkle blood over the ark to atone for the nation. By this rite, sins were deemed expi expiated, which means wiped away. Moreover, God's wrath was averted or propitiated. This is all part of this atoning part that we're going to look at. But human sins could not literally be atoned for by the death of animals, as we find out in Hebrew. So this was happening in the Old Testament, but we find out that that was all sort of temporary. And why is it that we needed to have Christ come to be the atoning sacrifice for us? And what does that mean? Okay. Um, so anyway, that's where we're going to go next week. All right. Good. A little right. introduction. No, no, Taking no. us there. Huh? Before we go. Yes. Read Acts in your Bible. Read Acts 8, 38, and 39. You want me to read that? You, yeah. What do you want me to read? Acts 8, 38, and 39. Acts 8. Acts 8, 38 and 39. That's right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and he commanded the chariot to stop, right? Starting mm -hmm. there. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Keep reading. Really? What would you do if somebody vaporized in front of you? <laughs> would you be rejoicing? I don't know. I might be running. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that the Bible puts out and I just go. I know. It's like when it the donkey talks, go. right? When the donkey talks, we're like, yeah. oh, the donkey's talking. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. 
I know, and I read that again this week, and I'm just going, wow, we have science fiction in our Bible. <laughs> but if, if you're sitting there struggling with Scripture, and all of a sudden something appears in front of you, makes you under, helps you understand it, baptizes you, and then disappears, you'd be like, oh, that was an answer from God. So maybe that's the reason for me. I don't know. Well, he also needed, uh, you know, he needed to get him to ask. He might have been praying for that very thing. Like, God, help me understand this. Okay. All right. Before I pray, go. Here is what we're going to be spending our next three weeks of really soaking ourselves in, which is Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah 53, which is really 52, 13 to 53, 12. All right. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm not even going to believe I'm going to say this, but I am. And we'll see if any of you would like to challenge yourself with me. Because this is probably the most important, I will say right now, if you had one scripture that you ever wanted to memorize. Because this scripture is the one that changes people's lives. Because it reveals who Christ is. What he's done. And it also causes you to be vaporized. <laughs> so, I am going to try over the next four weeks or so to memorize this entire thing. I am not good at memorizing. But I just feel like, wow... You know, if, if there's a passage today, if someone comes up to you, and you just think if you're walking down the street, mm-hmm. repeating this passage to you, mm-hmm. okay? Someone comes up to you, what are you saying? I mean, in this one passage is the essence of who Christ is, what he has done for us, and who we are to be as his servants. All right. So I'm going to start working on that. Anybody who would like to join me, Go for it. Okay? I'm behind you 100%. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Far behind. Okay. Are we going to have a competition? I'm just, you know, I'm just going to throw that out. And, you know, I'm not one of these guys who likes to go like this over people's heads. But I would love to have you guys do that with me because I, it's going to be, like, daunting. But my 10-year-old brain could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my current one did. <laughs> You might be surprised. You might be surprised. All right, Jeff, can you close up? Yeah. What is this? This is Isaiah 53. So this is Isaiah 52. We say Isaiah 53, but it's really 52, 13 through 53, 12. It is referred to by everybody as just Isaiah 53. Okay, because it starts there. Okay, so it's exactly what you have in your in yours there. Yeah. Yes, Just in a way that you can carry it around and you won't lose it. Yeah. See how bright it is? You know, and people will say, What are you reading there? And there you go. All right. Put it on yeah. my bicycle helmet. Yes, just gonna close us. Thank you guys. <laughs> God, thank you for tonight. I uh, thank you for your work. God, thank you for um, reconciliation and um, all that this means. God, thank you for your plan. Bless us as we go, God, and bless each one of the things that we're going to do. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen.